The menorah here on earth is merely a copy of the light that's found, the seven golden lampstands there in heaven that John got to witness and to write to us about. And he saw Jesus standing in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He saw Jesus transfigured, his face shining like a great light. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So Exodus 25, the building of the sanctuary as Moses is there on Mount Sinai waiting upon the Lord and the Lord revealing to him this massive work that he is calling the children of Israel to do to construct a tabernacle, a place of worship for the children of Israel, but also a place where God's spirit might dwell among them, that he would be in the midst of their camp. And so Moses, he next begins to talk about the table of showbread in verses 23 through 29. And this is just the instructions how they were to build these things. In verses 23 and 24, it says, You shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length. A cubit shall be its width. A cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with gold and make a molding of gold all around it. So the second piece of furnishing was the table of showbread that was found in the holy place, not in the holy of holies but in the holy place where the priest would minister daily. And it would display 12 loaves of bread that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. The table of showbread or the bread of presence, it's also called in scripture. And these loaves of bread were made with the finest flour. They represented the 12 tribes of Israel. The loaves were holy because they were in the presence of the Lord. And thus, when they were replaced each week on the Sabbath, only the priests were allowed to eat from this bread. So we pick up reading about the table of showbread again. I'll just read through the description that God gave to Moses, picking up in verse 25. And you shall make for it a frame of the hand breath all around. You shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. You shall make for it four rings of gold and put rings on the four corners that are at its legs, and the rings shall be close to the frame and its holder for the poles 
to bear the table. You shall make poles of acacia wood, overlay them with gold, that the table may be carried with them. And you shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the showbread on the table always before me. The bread of presence, the table of showbread, and it was made holy because of being in the presence of the Lord. And yet this bread we find that David and his men in the days of David before he became king of Israel when Saul was hunting him down. When he was found hungry in 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 9, it tells us that David and his men had fled from Saul who was attempting to kill David. And they went to the priest in Shiloh at that time where the tabernacle was. And he had no weapons and the priest gave him the sword of Goliath. They had no food and the priest gave him the bread that came from the table of showbread. Not the bread that was on the table, but the bread that they replaced with it. So the bread that had sat a week in the presence of the Lord and they ate of it. This was something that only the priests were to eat. In Leviticus 24, 9, it tells us, And for Aaron and his sons, they shall eat in the holy place. They couldn't even bring it home with them. They had to eat in the presence of the tabernacle in the holy place. For it is most holy to him, and the offering of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. Yet when Jesus was questioned by the religious rulers about his apostles taking heads of grain and just plucking the wheat and rubbing it in their hands, blowing away the chaff and chewing on the kernels that remained, they were accused of working on the Sabbath. And Jesus showed them that human need can supersede the letter of the law. He said in Matthew 12, 3 and 4, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who are with him, but only for the priests. There are times when human need will supersede the letter of the law. And here was an incident where grace was shown to David that he was able to consume food that was not meant for future kings of Israel. This, though, was not the case with the disciples. They were not breaking God's law. They were just snacking on wheat on the Sabbath day, which was lawful for them to do, but it was breaking the traditions that had formed around God's commandments. And we have those things that can happen in the church where we develop these traditions within the church that we sometimes think when someone oversteps the traditions of the church, we almost act as if they're breaking the very law of God when we're just simply overstepping traditions. And being the age I am, and as a youth coming up in the church and at a church in Libertyville, we were uh, asked by the pastor at that time, me, a friend of mine named John who played guitar, myself as a bass player, 
and they wanted to introduce uh, worship music to our church. Up to that point, the church had always only known piano and organ, and we sang hymns all the time. And they wanted to introduce worship music in our church, and they knew that they would have a fight. So uh, this is going back to when I was in my mid-twenties, so a couple of years ago. But they said on Sunday night, can you and John, and I'm John too, John, John, can you, with uh, our pianist, begin to play music? And they thought they would slowly introduce it to the church. And it did go through some kind of fights that uh, they had during their meetings and stuff. But we got it done, and uh, before long, we had a full band. It was a large church that could seat some 600 people in the sanctuary, maybe 400 attending on any given Sunday. And uh, before long, we had a full band. Drums, guitar, bass, piano, saxophone. You don't see saxes too often in a church, but we had a sax player, so we used him. And uh, God used it and kind of had us in that. It was seemingly breaking away from tradition, but it was learning to do ministry in a new and a different way, a fresh way. So we need to be careful when in church life, when we get kind of bent out of shape over traditions that have nothing to do with the Word of God. So he moves on. The menorah, and it actually finishes out in verses 31 through 40, talking about the menorah, the candlestick, the seven armed lampstand that is so familiar to us from the nation of Israel. And in Israel today, they've actually recreated the menorah that when they build the third temple, they already have the menorah on display in the heart of Israel today. Lily and I, we've seen that menorah. It's really big. We have one out in the foyer and the hutch in the foyer that's really small. This menorah is quite the size. And so we begin verse 31. It says, You shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs and flowers shall be of one piece. Six branches shall come out of its side. Three branches of the lampstand out of one side, three branches of the lampstand out of the other side, three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on one branch and with an ornamental knob and a flower and three bowls like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental knob and flower. And so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand, on the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each with ornamental knobs and flower. And there shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, a knob under the third two branches of the same, and the six branches that extend from the lampstand. So you have the center light in the middle. And their knobs shall be of one piece, and it shall be of one hammered piece of pure gold, and you shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall be arranged its lamps so that it will give light 
in the front of it, and its wick trimmers, its trays of pure gold, shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all of its utensils, and see that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. So the final piece of furnishing mentioned here in this chapter is the golden lampstand, the menorah. As I said, Lily and I have uh, visited Israel one time in our life, and it was the trip of a lifetime. I'd love to go back. But while we were there, we went to the Temple Institute. But you didn't have to go to the Temple of Institute to see the menorah. There at the Temple Institute, they have made a lot of the things that we will be reading about over the next several weeks. The articles of clothing for the priest and the high priest, all the instruments that are used in service in the temple. As we read about the uh, wick trimmers and the vessels that they would use with the menorah. But the menorah itself, it's in the heart of the old city of Jerusalem. It's on display, actually underground, so it's protected And you go in this underground tunnel, and there in the middle of that tunnel, you'll find the menorah there. Only the priests were to tend the menorah, who trimmed its wicks, resupplied its oil in the morning and the evening, that its light would never go out. Exodus 27, 20 says, And you shall command the children of Israel that they should bring pure oil of pressed olives for the light, to cause the lamp to burn continually. And in Revelation 1, 12 and 13, we find that Jesus is found standing. As John said, I turned I, to see the voice that spoke to me. I turned and I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with gold, his countenance, was like the sun shining in its strength. So the menorah here on earth is merely a copy of the light that's found, the seven golden lampstands there in heaven that John got to witness and to write to us about. And he saw Jesus standing in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He saw Jesus transfigured, his face shining like a great light. And in fact, in the New Jerusalem, Revelation twenty-one twenty-three, it says, The city will need no sun or moon to shine, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. So God said, See to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the holy mountain, the pattern of heavenly things. Hebrews 8.5 says that serve as a copy and a shadow of heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle for he said see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain he wasn't supposed to make any tweaks any adjustments no I think it would look better with 10 lampstands instead of 7 the menorah And we do have a menorah that has additional lights on it for Hanukkah, but that's a different story for another time. But Jesus is the fulfillment of these things, and I believe that's why 
God is so strict. It's a copy of heaven, but we find, we see Jesus in a lot of this. Jesus became flesh. He dwelt among us. He tabernacled himself that we might behold his glory and the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, according to John 1.14. One day we will see our Savior in the splendor of his majesty. In Exodus 26, he continues to speak about the tabernacle and its construction, but now it's the tent that he's going to deal with. So dealing with the tent, and the tabernacle, we'll discover, is described in the making of the tent from the inside out. So verse 1, Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine woolen linen and blue, purple, and scarlet thread with artistic designs of cherubim. You shall weave them. So the tabernacle, verses 1 through 6, I'll read the whole thing for us to get the context. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits. And the width of each curtain, four cubits. That would be uh, 42 feet by 6 feet. So some big 42 foot long curtain. Uh, this is 40 feet across. Just get an idea of it. It's a long curtain. But there were 10 of them. And every one of the curtains shall have the same measurements. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another and the other five to one another. You shall make loops of blue yarn on the edge of the curtain. And likewise, you shall go on the outer edge of the curtain of the second set. Fifty loops you shall make on the one curtain. Fifty loops you shall make on the edge of the curtain. That is on the end of the second set. And the loops may be clasped together to one another. You shall make fifty clasps of gold and couple the curtains together with the clasp so that they may be one tabernacle. And so the various pieces of fine linen uh, and facing inward toward the tabernacle, uh, this weaving, so if you were to see it from the outside, you would see the back of the embroidery of this purple, blue, and scarlet thread making these cherubims weaved into it. And cherubim, again, associated with a class of angels, that are always found at the throne room of God. So they had ten panels, five on each side, looped together. Each panel was, as I said, they would have been 42 feet by 6 inches, uh, depending on the size cubit that you are using. So most people say it, it's a measurement from a man's elbow to the tip of his finger. And they say that's about 18 inches. I think mine's 19. I measured it once only because of the Bible. I wanted to see. So depending on the length you're using, and they were clasped together with gold and faced inward toward the Holy of Holy and the Holy Place. This fine linen curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet thread with cherubim woven into them, Clasped with these golden clasps speaks about the inner beauty of Christ himself. In Hebrews 8, 1 and 2, 
Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. Remember, this is a copy of the heavenlies. And in the heavenlies, Christ Jesus is the true high priest. And Jesus himself is that beauty of perfection that shines forth from God according to Psalms 50, verse 2. The second layer, and this tent is made with layers, black goat's hair curtains, 7 through 13, we pick up reading, And you shall make a curtain of goat's hair to be a tent over the tabernacle, and you shall make 11 curtains, and the length of each curtain shall be 30 cubits, and the width of the curtains, 4 cubits, so 45 feet by 6 feet, so a little larger to go over it. And 11 curtains shall be have all the same measurements. And you shall couple five curtains by themselves, six curtains by themselves. You shall double over the sixth curtain at the forefront of the tent to make the door. You shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that the outermost in one set and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain on the second set. You shall make them 50 bronze clasped and clasped into the loops and Couple the tent together that it may be one, and the remnants of that remains of the curtain of the tent, and the half curtain that remains shall hang over the back of the tabernacle, and the cubic on one side, and the cubit on the other side. And what remains of length of the tent shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on one side, and that of the other. And so this black uh, goat hair curtain is overlaid the linen that faced the inner of the sanctuary itself. And so weather resistant, no doubt, out in, the, uh, out in the weather, it's a tent, right? Weather resistant, but also the black. It really speaks about Jesus and the sins that he bore on his own body, the inner beauty of Christ, pure and without sin. And yet he took his, our sins upon him, First Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. And so this speaks about that doctrine of the doctrine of atonement, the substitute of Christ who suffered in our place upon the cross. As in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So perhaps this black goatskin covering reminds us of the sin that was placed upon Jesus there at the cross. But then the next cover, we have both ram and badger skin. The ram, in verse 14 was dyed red, and this became the third layer of the tent. Dyed red, it's a great illustration of the blood of Christ that covers our sins. In Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, therefore I give it to you to make atonement upon the altar for your souls. 
For it is the blood that makes atonement for your souls. And again, the author of Hebrews repeats a very similar thing in Hebrews 9.22. For according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So the covering of Christ's blood, as in 1 John 1, 7, it says, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And then the badger skins, making it waterproof, weather-resistant, this fourth layer. It's pretty common in appearance. So you have this tabernacle on the inside. You have all these uh, golden as we'll read about golden planks and fine linen and golden furniture. And then you layer out a black goatskin covering over the uh, fine linen. And then the ram skin dyed red over the black skin. And then the badger skin made it a very common appearance from the outside. You may not think too highly of it, reminding us that Jesus Christ himself According to Isaiah 53, 2, he had no form, no comeliness, no beauty that we should desire him. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.